Hey, Peter. Hey. Is there anything that a horn player can do to entice a rhythm section? Um, leave their horn in their case. I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. You're listening to the You'll Hear Podcast. Daily jazz advice coming at you and a lot of love for the horns. I was just kidding. I love the horns. Um, it's one love out here. Yeah, man. We couldn't do uh, we couldn't do half the interesting stuff we do. Well, we could. We could do about half, actually. We could do about half about of it. About half, yeah. <laughs> but that leaves the other half, which is super interesting. Uh, so this comes from uh, SpeakPipe, which we mentioned last week. We ended last week with the SpeakPipe, and this is another one. This is from Terry. Let's check it out. Hi, fellas. Just wanted to start by saying that I'm loving the podcast and it's easily worth 7 billion stars. Anyway, I'm a Canadian saxophonist living in what seems like jazz exile in the southwest UK. I came over here from Toronto where I was used to being able to make a couple of phone calls and have a session set up with people who are into playing just for the sake of playing and improving. But over here in rural southwest UK, I find myself dealing with some, shall we say, sensitive rhythm section players who make it feel like they're doing you a favor by accepting and or playing on a gig. I was wondering if you all could speak about some of the things a horn player can do to make the rhythm section want to play or want to engage with the music, or some of the things that your favorite horn players do to make things interesting or challenging for the rhythm section. Many thanks. All right. Thank you, Terry, for the question. That's uh, that's an interesting scenario. Yes. Switch countries. Yes, yes. <laughs> Go from uh, one of the, the great metropolises in North America to yeah. the southwest rural United Kingdom. I'm getting in my headphones again. Yeah, yeah, me too. So, yeah, I mean, Toronto, which is such a great music, such a great jazz town. I mean, totally. one, of the, one of the best. I was totally. just up there, and I'm always like amazed by all the great homegrown musicians but also musicians going there from the states or for other places because it's a it's a nice scene and it's a super cool city um and i was just looking at the map real quick as he said southwest england because i was actually in i don't know if he's in like exeter exmouth that area but i was there for actually a family wedding um a few years ago and had such that is one of the most yeah exmoor national park i was around that area uh, and it's one of the most beautiful places anywhere. Oh, my God, it's so beautiful. Now, obviously, for rhythm sections, apparently a little more sensitive. But I was there, you know, with, with some kind of extended family and stuff. And it's just, I mean, like you're going on these little country roads with like um, – um, you go through tunnels that are like bu- hedges and bushes naturally. Oh, grown. I mean, it looks like something out of, you know, a fairy tale. And it's just incredible. But anyway, um, I think that probably the w- w- the issue that he's talking about is not reserved to just that part of southwest england <laughs> yeah, yeah, a, yeah. A, could potentially be a difficulty uh worldwide but i think it's a it's it's very um very good that he's thinking about it in terms of i think he said you know what can horn players do sort of to get, engage with the rhythm section or get to have them engage more so you know um he's thinking more along the lines of like like how do we solve this problem how do we bridge that gap yeah and not not make it a rhythm section versus horn player right yeah i think so um interesting conundrum i mean as a rhythm section player i don't really i don't know if i think about this like this yeah like um 
That's because you're a good rhythm section player. Well, you're a sensitive. That's, uh, not, not this kind of sensitive. That's debatable. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it might be just a matter of there's just not enough, like, people with your similar mindset in, in your area. And that yeah. can be tough. I mean, we've dealt with that in, obviously, the United States has tons of rural sections and players yeah. that I think we've talked to, to, to people about this before. Um, you know, one of the things that that you can do, especially if you have a limited pool of musicians to choose from, is ask them what they want to play. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everybody wants to be the star of their own show. Right. And so I would start there. I would maybe send an email to all the people that you're playing with and saying like, hey, does anyone have suggestions for tunes that we can do on this next gig? Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of some... some um, it's very invitational, which is nice. It's very invitational, and it's sort of that leadership from behind quality that I think yeah. most people can get... Uh, in front of <laughs> well you could uh, that nice Thank and maybe you. they'll even suggest playing invitation that might be a, a <laughs> yeah, there nice, you go there nice you go to play i like that a lot i think yeah it could also be done like on the bandstand or if it's a jam session thing yeah i'm thinking about that like you come up on your horn player and they're usually like let's do this yeah but what if a horn player were to turn around to us and say hey what are you guys hearing yeah you know but see a lot of players are like oh they 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 don't want to do that because they are going to be embarrassed if they don't know the tune and i think no one should feel like that every every everything's a learning experience and i used to be like that i was like well i want to say what i'm going to play yeah. so that i can shine the brightest but now i'm like yeah you know to your point it's like well, yeah what is what is the majority want to do that's going to probably be more fun maybe it's not the best for me but maybe i'll learn something maybe or maybe i'll have a different way of jumping in there or invite them uh to arrange or play an original of theirs you know yeah. what i mean in in your session or on your gig yeah um and then the flip side of that is maybe have a, a very uh, clear vision for your own music and yeah. call a rehearsal and say like, let's get this arrangement together so that it's tight so that we're a unit. You know, a little, a little uh, band uh, bonding rehearsal never hurt anybody either. That's right, right. Yeah, I think the importance of connecting with other musicians you're going to play with off the bandstand on a personal level can never be yeah. understated. And sometimes you don't have a lot of chance to do that, so you have to do it kind of right before the gig or on the bandstand. Yeah. Um, but if you're in this place with these, this again, a limited pool, Terry, you can invite them to go see some music. Yeah. You know, and just hang. Or maybe go grab a pint. Totally. You're in the You're in the right p part of the world Get to some do coffee that. or some food or something and, like, really, you know, like, befriend them. And, yeah. And then playing with friends is always the most fun. I did a recording session recently with some amazing musicians that I didn't know. Um, I mean, one of them, I, two of them I knew out of the six or seven that were playing. The rest I met like like literally as we started the session. Yeah. Like, because I got there a little late. I didn't get there late. I got there right when it was starting yeah. and everybody was kind of set up already, setting up. And we just sort of jumped into it. And it wasn't even until the first sort of break an hour and a half, two hours into it that I got to like kind of shake hands and learn, you know, introduce myself and learn their names even. I mean, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. But we were able to bond over the music. So that's not a given though. Like that's a special thing. That's a special but thing. But even that, even though we bonded amazingly, very rarely that everybody bonds like, and we got headphones, different rooms. But then when we had a little break and we're grabbing a coffee or whatever in the lounge, I made, you know, and I didn't, I didn't even do this consciously. I just did it because I, I, it felt right. I made a point of bonding personally with each of them a little bit. Hey man, you know, how are you doing today? Where, where are you from? You know, just a little bit of a connection to make, even though we'd made that musical connection. Yeah. I wanted to make that human connection. It's too. important. Yeah. I mean, it's important. It's, it's part of, of the communication of the music. Yeah. Um, it was a little weird because one of them was a member of the Taliban and then another was a member of the ISIS. So I kind of wished that I hadn't known that about them. Great players though. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I'm, that comes to mind with this is more cynical. Yeah. And that is money talks. 
money. <laughs> That's right. Pay them more. Pay, pay, pay to play. Pay yeah. to play. Yeah. I mean, you gotta pay to play. <laughs> it's uh, sad but true. Yeah. Uh, if if there's a really good drummer who's like not showing interest or whatever, just be like, yo, here's here's more money than you thought you would get for this. Yeah. And they'll probably do it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. And I mean, yeah, look, as you move up on the professional level, that has less to do with do with it. Hopefully, I mean, in other words, or like, sometimes more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the reality is, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's just talk about a couple things um, on the like as you're playing, because that's actually I, I kind of how I interpret this question. I might have been wrong, but I think it's interesting too. Things that horn players can do to make it more interesting to interact more. Yeah. And and I would say the first, you know, as you're actually playing a solo, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is listen. Yeah. And I was just doing this gig with Ron Blake, incredible uh, tenor saxophonist, and, and actually the two horn players were Nicholas Payton and Ron Blake. I saw some of that. Yeah. That was amazing. And Ron Blake, Nicholas does this in his own way also, but Ron Blake is one of the biggest listeners at the beginning of his solo that I've ever heard of any horn player. Yeah. Like, the amount of space that he leaves, it's almost unnerving because you're like, oh, should I, is he going to ever start to play? But like, he wants to like, just be in the moment and yeah. like leave space and like he's so he has such great ears and ideas and he's so confident with what he's going to play he wants often for you as in the rhythm section to give him an idea like he wants to to invite the engagement almost entirely from the rhythm section i love so this. it's so fun you know i th this is for anybody not just horn players right but i do this all the time too where it's like 90 percent of my ideas come from the people i'm playing with yeah because i just try to open up and just absorb what's happening and that doesn't mean mimicking what they're doing but if no. someone gives me an idea i'll try to expand on it it's like the easiest way to play jazz and also the most effective yeah no, it's the easiest and the hardest too at the same it's time because your ego gets in the way and you yeah. want to just play all the stuff you do it's very simple it's very simple if you allow yourself to simple. get to that That's level a good word. yeah but the other thing is you have to really have developed your ears to be able to do that That's because true. you have to be able to but i mean but but that's definitely pot not only possible it's like it, it will happen and it will come yeah but you've got to work on it you've got to be confident you've got to be willing to kind of fall flat on your face yeah a little bit too but basically i mean i've heard i heard ron during that those 14 sets that we play take little things that I was playing and like turn them into these beautiful things and it's just like if you're having a conversation and meeting someone or talking with someone yeah there's always people that are like man how are you doing like yeah. that, that's the equivalent of that yeah. and how's your day been and then you have an hour-long conversation that gets deep yeah about and that then you start question. feeling bad it's like wow it's all about me they're so focused on on me you know oh, but it's but it's a very interesting way to approach music and approach life so by the way how, how are you doing no, how are you doing? <laughs> no, how are you? Andrew, how are you doing? Great. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> well, thank you, Terry, for the, uh, for the voicemail, for the speak pipe. Uh, yeah. Peter, where can people go to leave us a, a voicemail? Uh, you'll hear it.com. And I hear they can also not do ratings and reviews there. They cannot. For that, you're going to want to go to Apple uh, Podcasts or really wherever you're listening to this podcast. Stitcher. Just Stitcher, wherever it is. If you're watching on YouTube, give us a like yeah. and follow so that you see all great things that are coming out of the Open Studio Award. Shout movie. out YouTube. Shout I'm looking yeah. right at you. You know what I'm saying? Keep Googling, y'all. Keep keep it up, man. The company's really going places. There you go. <laughs> um, and um, I guess till tomorrow. You'll hear it. <laughs>